You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. In the book of Colossians, chapter number one. And what is the theme of the book of Colossians? That's right, okay. Uh, I heard wisdom and I heard walking, and those two, they, they go together. So, so both are acceptable. Walking with Jesus is, is what it's about. But in order to walk with Jesus properly, like Doria said, we need that wisdom. We, have that, we need that knowledge. And last week, we began to look at three essentials required to walk with Jesus in order to have the walk that He would have us to have. And last week, we looked at one of the things required. Well, you see it right here in chapter number 1. From the very beginning, the Bible says there in verse 2, "...to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ." And then if you skip down to verse number 6, the Bible says, "...which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth." And we really tried to emphasize that last week, the grace of God in truth. So we, when we think about grace, we know that by grace are you saved through faith. So obviously, if you're going to walk with Jesus, you have to be saved, so you have to experience God's grace. So it's definitely essential in that regard. You can't walk with Jesus if you're not saved because you're walking in a different direction, right? But when He shows you your need for Him, shows you that you're going the wrong direction, we turn, we have a change of mind that, uh, that uh, gives us a change of steps, and we start walking with the Lord, the grace of God. But uh, what, do you remember one of the main, I said the theme is walking with Jesus, having the knowledge and everything, but what was one of the main reasons that God inspired Paul to write this letter? Anybody remember? We have, I know we're just getting into it, so that's fine, but what it is, is, is like many of the early churches, false doctrine was coming in. False doctrine was coming in. And so the, God's grace is essential because uh, we, we asked the question, for instance, last week, and we won't go in, back into all that again, but we asked the question last week, uh, you know, is, is it a proper statement when people say, uh, I don't care where they go to church as long as they're going? Uh, that, you know, that's not great uh, because there's a couple things that we need to know first. We need to know what does this church teach about Christ? What does this church teach about salvation by grace through faith? And if they're teaching a work salvation, if they're taking away from Christ, well, then it would be better that they didn't go to that church, honestly. So the, the point is this, that in order to have the proper walk with Jesus, we need to, we need to have wisdom. As We need to have knowledge. And I want to share this passage with you. If you go over a few pages to the right, over to the book of Titus, so it's 1st, 2nd, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, then the book of Titus. I just want to give you this about grace. I'm not going to do a whole message on grace again like I did last week, but I do want to just uh, share something with you, at least a passage that I didn't share with you last week. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. Titus 2, 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So, 
We talked about that. One of the things that God's grace will do is God's grace will reach you. God's grace will reach you. I'm glad there's not anyone that's so far that God's grace can't reach them. I'm glad that uh, people may be in sin, people may be lost, but I'm glad God's grace is able to reach them. And yes, there's deadlines and so forth and, and lines that you can cross, I believe, but the main thing is, is before you do that, you have an opportunity. God's grace can reach to the deepest, darkest pits of sin. So God's grace will reach us. And again, uh, in a church, in a Bible preaching church like this one, uh, that's one of the things we hear a lot and we believe that. But then the other thing that people forget about sometimes is the second part of that. God's grace not only reaches you, but it teaches you. The Bible says there in verse 12 of Titus 2, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the grace of God not only reaches us, but the grace of God teaches us. God's grace changes us. Uh, it's, the, Bible the Bible warned that there would be cut there in the last days that the grace of God, over in the book of Jude, that the grace of God would be turned into lasciviousness, which is just to say all manner of lust and evil, uh, which is those that would say, oh yeah, we believe in grace. Therefore, they are just, they, 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 it's a sloppy grace that's just a permissible grace, which just means we don't care if people are totally destroying their lives in sin or not, we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to celebrate that sin. We're going to celebrate how gracious we are. Now, we love people in whatever sin they're in. Grace will reach them. But man, it's kind of like this. I've heard this say, said years ago, God loves you just like you are. We often sing that hymn, just as I am without one plea. And I'm glad that that's how you can come to God, just as you are. But you come to God just as you are. But you know what? God loves us too much to leave us that way. We don't come to God to, to save us from our sins so that we can save, stay in our sin. We need to be rescued from our sin. We need to be forgiven and rescued. So God's grace reaches you. God's grace teaches you. So the first essential in walking with Jesus is God's grace. I, can har I can't hardly say enough about grace, but I'm going to move on since I did a lot of on that last week and say the second thing is not only God's grace is essential if we're going to have the right walk with Jesus, but also God's guide. God's guide. Now, who do you think our guide is in this life? Amen. The Holy Spirit of God. That's exactly right. Look in verses 8 and 9 of Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says, Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So remember, we're going to address, and if you'll just bear with me, because I do want to address again some of the false doctrine that was seeping into the church at Colossae. And some of it will sound like it has no bearing on us today, but it does. Because in some ways, if nothing else, the very principle of some of these, but there's even some of the, some of the, uh, the, the doctrines themselves that have stayed with us and just changed forms throughout the years, but they're some of the same old lies 
and things that, and, that Satan has been selling from the very beginning. So I'm going to address some of those. I, I addressed one of them particularly last week, and that is uh, Gnosticism. Now, we hear more about agnostics in our day and age, but uh, what, does, what, what is Gnosticism? What, or what does Gnosis mean? G-N-O-S-I-S. Knowledge. That's right, it's knowledge. Uh, so agnostic is no knowledge. They believe that there's knowledge that you can't have of God and so forth, and agnostic. But the, but the, the, the Gnostics, they believed in a knowledge. They believed in people being kind of becoming this elite. They had this mystical knowledge that you could lay hold on that was beyond Scripture, beyond Christ, and it would put you into kind of an elite spiritual class. And that's one of the reasons that Paul again and again talks about knowledge. We have knowledge in Christ. We don't need to be uh, uh, seeking this mystical knowledge out there. We have knowledge in the Word of God. We have knowledge in Christ. And so he, he, over and over again, he talks about knowledge and wisdom and so forth, because he's saying these are all fulfilled in Christ. So uh, verse 9, and we'll just look at it again. For this cause also, since the day that we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you that you might, and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And obviously the Spirit is the one who works. The Spirit works in us, and that's the way we live the Christian life. Walking with Jesus basically just means that we're living the Christian life. And the way that we do that, yes, is by gaining knowledge. It's by God's grace working in our life, but it's by God's guide working in our life. Praise God we have the Holy Spirit on the inside, and He will empower us. He will enlighten us. He will help us uh, to live this life for the uh, glory of God. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says that you might walk worthy. So what's going to happen once God's grace, the essential of His grace, the essential of the guide, once the grace of God and the Spirit of God are working in our lives, look what, look what he says happens in verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now I said this to you before, he here is appealing, I believe, to the Colossian believers because I believe at the heart of everyone who knows Christ as Savior that's got to be our desire, to walk worthy, to, all, to Him in all-pleasing. You know, I love that. I love the phrase that you'll read in the Old Testament from time to time where it speaks about God's face shining on you. And isn't that our desire, to have God's face shining on us? What, what do you think of when you imagine God's face shining? What's, is, can you think of a, something you would compare that to? God's face shining on you. What's that? The sun shining on us, absolutely. Soaking in those rays, soaking in the vitamin D and, and it being healthy and good for you. You know what I think about? I think about you can see it in a parent. You know what? You, you saw it tonight. If you would have looked back there toward the back when Jen was talking about Connor, guess what you would have seen? Her face shining on Connor. Right? I mean, just uh, when you see your kid doing something, for instance, or a grandkid doing something, and you're just so proud, and you just you can look you you can look at that parent's face, and man, they're just beaming. I mean, they're they're smiling. They may not even be saying a word, but their face is just shining on their child, on their grandchild. And I think that's how God is with us. You know, we 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 believe these lies that we tell ourselves. We know who we are. 
And we know, that we're, we know that in and of ourselves we're unworthy. We know that we fall short. And as a result of that, we expect that God is not very happy with us ever. Anybody else ever struggle with that? You may not think about it out loud. You may not say it, think about it out loud, say it out loud. But, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes that's how Christians live. But, man, that's not how we have to live. And that's not even the truth. The truth of the matter is, no, we're not perfect, but He's working on us, amen? And therefore, His face shines on us. So, worthy unto the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. So, what happens? With God's grace working and God's guide working in our lives, what happens is we, are, uh, we begin to walk with Him, we begin to grow. And one of the ways you can know that you're growing is that you're changing. You're changing. None of us have arrived yet. If you're still living, God still wants you to grow. You can grow closer to Him praying here so when the more we're growing the more we're walking with him the more we're changing because when we're walking guess what we're making progress we're going somewhere and the further we go with him the more i you know i, I like i just thought about pilgrim's progress you know and you can see you can see christians uh growth and change as as he goes on uh, walking uh there in the pilgrim's progress and it's very similar with us so what does he say there? The working of the Spirit of God is, is fruitful. We increase in the knowledge of God. We're strengthened. Uh, it, 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 we're strengthened. It, it talks about patience. And what's a, what's a good word for patience? That we, you know, we... Huh? Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't hear it again, I'm sorry. Long-suffering, absolutely. Long-suffering is a very good word for patience. Uh, there's another word for patience that we don't think of when we use patient. When we say somebody's a patient person, we don't often think of it in this way. Uh, Evan it runs cross-country. In order for Evan to run cross-country, do you know that he has to have patience, biblical patience? Now, not what we think of oftentimes. We say, boy, Evan's just the most patient kid. No, but as a runner, he's got to be patient because what that means is it, it really, biblical, biblical patience is perseverance. It's perseverance. That's the idea behind patience. Yes, there's, it, it carries the idea of long-suffering. It carries the idea of what we think of as patience, but it's deeper than that. It's, it's richer than that because it goes beyond just being able to take what comes to being able to keep pushing and keep going. And so with, with, with the Holy Spirit of God indwelling and infilling us, we can, be, uh, we can persevere and we can do so with joy. Fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. There in verse number 11 now. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Some of us need to read that. Somebody says, you know, I don't feel very strong in the Lord. Oh, man, this is good news. It's not about your strength. We're strengthened with all might according to His power. How powerful is your God tonight? How powerful is He? Just think about it for a moment. I think we should probably think about that every single day. Because the power 
that's working in you, the power that He wants coming through our lives as God's people is according to His power. I, I, I was reading a little bit today about El Shaddai. I preached the, the, a couple weeks ago about how God is able. He is able. Uh, and he, he revealed Himself to Abraham as El Shaddai. El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the God who can, the God who is able. What? I mean, think about the abundance of God's power. Everything God's ever done is abundance. Now, you think about it. And I was reading, I didn't get write these numbers down, but I was, I was, I was reading about the percentage of the sun uh, sun's rays and so forth that we get here on our planet. It's a pretty small percentage, as you can well imagine, versus how much is going out of the sun. I mean, for instance, I mean, it reminds me of a, a, a I heard a, the, the story about a, a poor woman who uh, just had struggled from, you know, just from hand to, hand to face or her mouth her whole life. I think I totally ruined that saying, but she was poor, never had enough. But when she went and saw the ocean for the first time, her eyes began to water up. And someone asked her, uh, someone was there with her and asked her the question, you know, what is it? It's, it's beautiful, isn't it? She's like, it's beautiful. She said, but I've never seen such a vast supply. I've never seen so much. In other words, everything, God does not just do enough. He does more than enough. And so how powerful is our God Listen, it's according to His power, that's what works in us. Unto all patience, that I mentioned, with and long-suffering, with joyfulness. So we can persevere, and we can have joy as we do it. We can go through long, we can be long-suffering, be joyful as we do it. Now, ecology is the science of the relationships between, between organisms and their environments. So organisms and their environments. The most important law of ecology is L, uh, uh, L learning being greater than change. L being greater than C. For an organism to survive, the rate of learning must be equal to or greater than the rate of change happening around them. Now, just bear with me a moment. I want to say that again. For an organism to survive, the rate of learning must be equal to or greater than the rate of change happening around them. With the rate of change escalating, we must learn faster, learn better, and learn more. Because again, we're talking about the Spirit of God giving us knowledge. We cannot thrive unless we are learning uh, more than things are changing. Do we live in a changing world? I mean, what did the world look, what did America look like this time last year versus now? Different. We live in a changing world. Why is it that some people, why is it that some people that are saved have not been able to survive and thrive? You know why? Because their rate of learning, their rate of, of growing in the knowledge of God has not kept up with the change around them, and you can become overwhelmed by the circumstances around you. But the more we walk with Him, the more we grow in His knowledge. And remember, this, isn't, this is growing in the knowledge of, of, of truth and what God's Word says. It is that, but along with that, it's getting to know Him, the knowledge of God. 
It's getting closer with Him. And no matter how much things change around us, if we're walking with Him and growing in Him, we're learning Him, then what that does is it gives us the ability to continue to grow no matter what comes that goes on around us. That's why Christians, uh, you know, you think about it. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, going through the persecution that some of our brothers and sisters around the world have to go through. You know what's happened with them? You know why they're able to stand for God in the midst of a very hostile and in the midst of persecution? Because they're walking with God. Their rate of the knowledge of God is greater than the change going on around them. Because no matter what goes on, they know how good their God is. And so that's uh, one of the important laws of ecology. The word disciple. The word disciple comes from the uh, word uh, uh, mathetis. The root word means the mental effort needed to think something through. That's, that's actually the root that the word disciple comes from. The mental effort needed to think something through. By definition, then, a disciple who is someone who never stops learning. Folks, faith is not mindless. We do not have a mindless faith. Man, I was reading about it. Man, I tell you. You, we, we need to study, and it's a shame that our kids don't generally learn as much about the impact of the Bible on our world, the impact of Christianity and the Lord Jesus Christ on our world. I'm talking about positive. You say, man, religion's done some terrible things. Yeah, but Christianity. Listen, and, and one of those things I, I think about learning, faith being mindful, not mindless. See, through, that's one of the things, by the way, that drew women to Christianity in that first century. They were treated equally. They also could learn. You can know. You can read. You can grow in Christ. You can teach. You can instruct and lead other women and girls to a closer relationship with Christ. You, you're not just second rate as, as so, was so often in Roman culture. They mattered. But I was, today, Natalie was learning about uh, early uh, American history. And it was just so cool because, of course, uh, they were talking about Harvard. And anybody remember, Harvard was the first university founded in the United States of America. And anybody remember why it was founded? To train preachers. To train preachers. Natalie, help me with the funny-sounding act that they uh, instituted in the colonies to try to make sure people learn the Bible. The Old Deluder Satan Act. The Old Deluder Satan Act was instituted in the colonies. And what the, the deluder, so the old deluder, the old deceiver Satan. And what they did is said, we want to make sure that our, our, our kids learn to read the Bible. And as far as the education part, we want to make sure they learn Latin. Uh, we want to make sure they learn Greek. We want to make sure they learn these things. Uh, you know, during those times, uh, you know, America was different. Expectations were different. Uh, they only went through about the eighth grade. You, when, by the time you graduated, the normal kid would graduate around the age of 13. And in, in order to get into Harvard or one of these other schools, uh, it, the, the entrance exam, when they were 13 years old going off to college, one of the things they would have to do, would be required to do in some instances, is they would have to take a, a Greek New Testament and translate it into English. They would have to know Latin. There's a reason that John Quincy Adams, uh, by, I think at the age of 10, was marching with the Minutemen. There's a reason by the age of 13 or 14, he was a U.S. ambassador to Russia because he could speak Russian. 
Uh, and, and, you know, so all, all these things that they were able to do in these days. The point is, you want to know what inspired all of this? Christianity, the Bible. We believed in learning. And that, the, the, there was the biggest change probably in our country with that probably came in the 1920s when we're now seeing some of the fruits of the socialistic and communistic efforts in our country. But a lot of that started in the 20s. And one of the things they did is they quit they, they changed uh, their approach. They changed the paradigm. Instead of teaching kids uh, how to learn, they basically just taught kids what they, need to, what they felt like to know. Instead of trying to teach kids to think, they would teach kids just what they wanted them to learn and so forth. So things changed. Uh, but the point that I'm trying to make is this. Christianity has always tried to get people to learn. Uh, the Dark Ages, they called themselves Christians, the, the leaders of the church in that time. But I'm telling you, folks, the Dark Ages were not instituted by a Christian church. While the Dark Ages were going on, folks, there were faithful uh, Christians, faithful New Testament true Christians that were trying to get the Word, working hard to get the Word of God into the language of the common people. While the, the, the Roman Catholic Church tried to keep everything in Latin, Nobody spoke Latin, so they'd have services in Latin. People didn't know what was going on. The, the, the Bible would be written in that. People couldn't read it. But you know what true Christians were doing? True Christians were trying to get people to where they could learn. They were trying to get that, you know, into the common language. And we think of some of those uh, great heroes like, you know, John Tyndale, for instance. Did I say his name? John Tyndale? William Tyndale, thank you. John was his cousin. He did some good work as well. But uh, William Tyndale, I made that up, just trying to cover myself, all right? But uh, John Wycliffe, uh, we'll just say I was thinking of him, but the point is that Christianity has always been about learning and knowledge, and it's had a great influence on our society. Uh, all right, so faith is not mindless, it's mindful, knowing, learning, growing. I, you know, we said it a lot around here, but man, I believe that a church ought to be full of Berean Christians. We talk about that. The Berean Christians, I love this, don't you? And this flies in the face of so many of these stupid, knuckleheaded, sorry, I'm trying to think of some better Greek words than that, but, you know, the, the preachers that do not want to be questioned about what they say and about what they teach. The pride and the arrogancy of that. The insecurity of that. I've got major issues with that. When Paul and the Holy Ghost of God, God himself, praised those Berean Christians, Paul got excited when those Berean Christians sat there with them Bibles and listened to Paul preach and said, okay, well, I'll go home and check that out, Paul. See whether or not that's true or not. What do you mean you're going to see if it's true or not? I, I'm the man of God and I said it was true. You've got an evil spirit, and we're gonna, we've got to deal with you right now. No. Paul said, hallelujah. He's like, man, this is a lot better. He said, I, he said, I hate it when I go preach, and people are like, okay. If that's what he says, it must be true. No, don't take what I say because I say it. Praise God, we have the Word of God. Amen. I mean, listen, learn. I mean, I'm okay with, I, I want people to disagree with me. <laughs> and, 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 and until you go learn and then we agree when you get it right. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, 
But no, I want, I, I, why do we, well, you know, there's this uniformity. And I'm telling you, even the definition of fascism, by the way, which is one of the biggest lies on that, is that fascism is far right. Man, fascism is left, people. Fascism is we've got to all say the same thing. It's amazing, these, these black shirts that are in the streets of our country right now, uh, they say that they're going against the brown shirts when they're really the new brown shirts. Uh, you know, which, are, which is Hitler's Nazis on the streets, because you've got to say the same thing. I mean, they're making sure everybody's got to say the, sa the, the right things. Everybody's got to agree. If fascism is all the same thing being spoken together. Uh, man, where'd that come from? But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that we need to know for ourselves, don't take my word for anything I say up here. You know, and what, here's what happens. You know, the, the longer people come to church, the more you go check out what I said, uh, the more confidence maybe begins to build. But at the same time, I don't want people taking what I say because I said it. Check out the Bible. Read it. Fact, check it. And you'll find out that John Tyndall really is William's cousin. I'm really not. You'll find out that I get names mixed up uh, when I'm going off the fly like I'm doing right now. <laughs> but notice this in Colossians 1 verse 9. Colossians 1, verse 9. Well, we've already read that one. I'm going to skip that one. Go to, we've read 10 also. Go to chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of the will of God and of the Father. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I, I read verse 2, didn't I? All right, verse 3. Uh, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, the Holy Spirit of God is our guide. He will guide us into truth. He will guide us into walking with Him. He will guide us into knowledge. Praise God. I'm telling you, I think about William Tyndale, and I think about, you know, he had a, uh, a wealthy benefactor that he would teach their children, and he loved, the, he loved what William Tyndale was trying to do. And he enjoyed in, inviting uh, the, the bishops over and, uh, and letting William Tyndale debate these men. And I remember one time, and you, it's a famous story about William Tyndale being in a debate with one of these bishops. And, uh, you know, William Tyndale saying, I believe God's word should be in a language where everybody can read it. The most common. And they were in a, this debate going back and forth. And William Tyndale got kind of fired up. And he said, by the grace of God, and I'm going to quote this, paraphrase a little bit, but by the grace of God, he said, there's going to come a day when that boy out there plowing in the field is going to know more about the word of God than you do. That boy plowing out in that field right now is going to know more. That illiterate boy, that, that's all he's done his whole life, he's going to know more about God and his word than you. And I'm telling you, God brought that to pass. But when I think about that, I feel like I'm one of those plowboys. Amen. I feel like I'm one of those plowboys, one of those simple people that God saved by the grace of God and begin to fill me with knowledge and belief. There's a lot more I want to learn. But man, I know more than I ever thought I'd know. When I, when I got saved, I didn't know what John 3.16 was. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just excited tonight. Uh, why? Because he's given me some knowledge. Amen. He's filled us with knowledge. He's taught me some things. And these things, listen, the Bible does warn, uh, man, Chad, this is not directed towards you, but the Bible does warn that knowledge puffs up. 
It does. You know, but, but, but the kind of knowledge that's, that God's given, that wisdom from God, it doesn't puff up. Amen? Because one of the great things about learning, my, by the way, you better know you're in trouble when you think you know it all. If you're a know-it-all, you're advertising how ignorant you are. Because the fact of the matter is, the more you learn, the more you find out you don't know. And so you learn, and you learn, and you think, man, there's more I ought to know. Because as much as I have learned throughout these years, I, I'm ashamed still because I ought to know a whole lot more than I do. I ought to be so much closer with Him than I am. But that being said... Praise God. God made sure this farm boy, uh, never worked on a farm really, but God knew this, uh, this backwoods, uh, redneck, wrong side, of the, wrong side of town guy would be able to know the wonderful, inexhaustible truths of God's Word. Now look at Colossians 3, verse 10 with me. The Bible says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. That's Colossians 3, 10. All the verses that I mentioned, Colossians 1, 9, 1, 10, 2, 3, 3, 10, they all talk about this knowledge. And this comes through the Spirit of God. I like what the Bible says in John 16, verse 13. And I know I'm just going to have to stop. It's one of the good things about Wednesdays, though, is I feel more comfortable just stopping right in the middle of uh, a point. I to do it very often. Because I start talking about old John uh, Tyndall and all that. Get off track. But in... Uh, John 16, verse 13, Jesus said to his disciples, and, and, and understanding the context, in the context, folks, this verse is why we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This verse is the reason we have that in, in that direct context. But it applies, I believe, to all of us. But John 16, verse 13, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. See, the three essentials to walking with Him is, the, is God's grace, God's guide, and God's goal, which we'll talk about next week. The Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whosoever uh, He shall hear, that shall He speak, and will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, and it goes on. But He will guide you into all truth. God does ordain teachers. God does say that we should all be teachers of someone. We should all try to help someone get closer to God. The Bible talks a lot about that. Uh, but I'm glad that we, each of us, we have the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says, you have no man need that any man should teach you because you have unction. The Bible says in 1 John, which is just to say that you have the Holy Spirit of God. He will teach you. He will guide you. And so we didn't get into the false heresies that they were dealing with, but I'll tell you this, by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, He will help guide us. He, it's essential for us to be able to walk with Him that we have the right knowledge, that we have the right wisdom, that we believe right. Because if we don't believe right, we're not going to live right. And that does not necessarily mean that we're going to live some God-awful sinful life. It may but what, what the Bible warns about in this, it's really cool. Uh, well, I'll, I'll close by giving you this one. Derek just got really nervous with that statement. He said, here lately I've been saying I'm going to close and then I preach another mini message, uh, 20, 30 minute message. But anyway, uh, Colossians 2 verse 10 says, and ye are complete in him. You're complete in him. 
One of the bottom lines about some of the knowledge and the philosophy that was coming into the Colossian church, it promised a greater spirituality. It promised an elite spirituality, but it did not draw you closer to Christ. It, it, it promised you something more than what, what you have at salvation. The Bible says we're complete in Him. So if you're complete, what else do you need? What else do you need if you're complete? Now, I, I thought about it this way, about that whole thing about being complete. If you're complete, it's like having a ship full of everything that you will ever need. You may not open every container all at once. You may fail to open a container that you may need, but it's already there. See, and what a lot of people do is they go searching in other places when everything we have is in Jesus Christ and in His Word. Be careful about these, these, these writers you know, these, these, some of these quote-unquote Christian writers, some of them may be, may be Christian, but they're promising this, you know, this is the key. If you get this spiritual key out here, but what's it doing? It's drawing you away from God. It's drawing you away from Christ, but it's going to give you this superior knowledge. That's one of the things they were dealing with there in the book of Colossians. What we call the New Age movement, it's not called New Age because it's new. It's very old. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. It's called New Age because it, it promises a new age and a new time. But when you look at the New Age movement, same thing. Be careful. I'm telling you what was happening in Colossians. They were dealing with some very spiritual people. But you've got to ask, what spirit are they of? Somebody being spiritual isn't necessarily a good thing. Because does that spirit start with an S or a lower, a, a, a capital S or a lowercase s? It's important to know. Man, they're so spiritual. And, you know, the New Age pushes a lot of that. One of the, uh, uh, I may sound like a nut saying this, but I believe there's truth to it. Uh, understand I'm using this terminology a little bit loosely, but I believe there's truth to it. One of the high priestesses, if you will, of the New Age movement, Oprah, some of the spiritual stuff that she pushes, uh, the sp spiritual New Age things, she pushes a lot of this stuff. Uh, she is one of the big purveyors of the New Age movement and some of these uh, philosophies, and they all sound really good, and they're all spiritual. But spiritual is not always necessarily a good thing. Amen? All right, well, I'm going to be done. Uh, turn me off. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just hit stop, uh, like in real life sometimes? It's like, okay, good. Uh, yeah, especially if you're uh, my wife. Can you imagine when all of a sudden, uh, Oprah Winfrey's the high priestess of the New Age movement. Oh, my gosh, that just went out on Facebook. It's going to sound like a nut. But I'm telling you, uh, there's a lot of truth in that. Amen. Uh, do you ever wish that I was one of these preachers that studied everything I was going to say and just went with that? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it would be, uh, I wouldn't be talking about John Tyndall. <laughs> Tell you that much. Uh, I might still have said that about Oprah, though. Um, amen. All right. Uh, any questions or comments before we close out? I know we kind of just stopped abruptly there, but the... the Two of the essentials that we've looked at, and we'll try to finish this second one next week, is that uh, God's grace is the essential for our walking with Jesus, and God's guide, the Spirit of God that we have that will lead us into all truth.